You're listening to a Frequency Podcast Network production. I wasn't me even who discovered the podcast. My friend that I drive in with work, she was like, you need to check out this podcast. I was like, okay, tell me more. And she's like, I, I feel like as I told her a few things and she goes, it sounds like it was maybe the church that you went to. And I started listening to it at work and I just like kept looking at her at my desk being like, oh my gosh, this is me. Oh my gosh, this is me. This is Heaven Bent, an examination of divine intervention. I'm Tara Jean Stevens. As I prepare for season two... I want to stay connected by sharing some candid conversations I'm having with people who have reached out to me after they heard season one. People who, like me, were or even still are involved with the Toronto Blessing Movement. Also, record. Press record here. Give me just two seconds. No worries. On this bonus episode, Bruce Vandenberg. He was an active member of the original Toronto congregation from 2008 until 2011. And overall, he has very fond memories of his time there. He's going to share some of them with us and also tell us why eventually he had to leave. I asked him to start at the very beginning and tell us how he first became involved. Um, I was about, I'm trying to remember now if I was about like 17 or 18. And I actually had been invited to Freshwind, which is their kind of youth conference. And at the time, my mom was going to like a, an affiliate church of them. Um, and so I got invited by some of the people that I guess my mom had been seeing. And what was your first experience? I mean, first showing up at a church that is so charismatic and, and unlike so many other churches, what was your first impression? It was different. It was strange, I guess, in a way, but also like you almost wanted to see what would happen next. Like I, it was interesting because um, I figured you might ask me that. And so I, I remembered that I had actually brought a friend along with me who also hadn't gone um, to that church before. And just more of like a comfort sort of a thing. And she actually left like at, like the first evening. She was like, I can't do this. And it, it was just funny because like at Freshman, it's like you put blankets down on like the church. So there was just... The like, courtesy cloths? Yes, like no, like there's just blankets everywhere, and like they take out all the all the chairs for like the freshman conference. So like everyone's just literally on the floor, and it was just very different because I've never experienced anything like that before. And then of course you have the people that are like rolling around on the floor, or they're laughing, or they're crying, or you see different people like jumping and just like all these different weird things. Um, but at the time it was like in intriguing and and um so my friend actually left that night and I was like no I'll stick around and I stuck for the whole um weekend and then that was kind of my introduction to it and I just continued going (laughs) what was it that made you stick around I think you know when I look back at that time I think it's still at the end of the day the day it's it's that community feeling and that that um, the fellowship, should you say, um, that you have with the people that are in the church. Like it's, you know, everyone's kind of like-minded in a sense. And um, it's always a weird chapter of my life that I can't fully explain to people. Um, you know, there'll, there'll be things that I leave out or there'll be things that like, I'm like, you just won't understand what that means. Yet in this kind of community, like it was just normal. Like, um, and it was just comfortable 
comforting in, in that sense where you were able to just be charismatic, so to speak, and kind of um, do what you wanted to do. And there was almost this like no judgment. Um, and I will say there's lots of great people there and I've met a lot of great people. And I think just that community and that, that feeling of friendship and love, it's, it's just, it can go really deep and, and it's just, it's comfortable to kind of stay in that for sure. So when you went on that very first weekend to the church in Toronto, to TACF, this would have been at the tail end, I guess, of the Toronto Blessing Movement specifically. It lasted about 12 and a half years, Uh, but ongoing and still to this day uh, and throughout your experience there, people would have been shaking, falling, laughing, rolling around on the ground. Is that something that you personally experienced that first weekend or later on? I, later on, yes, I I think that first weekend for sure. I was, uh, I, you know, what maybe I did that first weekend. I don't even know for sure, but um, I definitely experienced some of those things, like where you know, you know, you have that um, speaker come and and you fall backwards, and you have people catch you, or um, the. I remember that weekend going through what they call fire tunnels. Um, and like I went through many of those in my time. So for anyone who doesn't know what a fire <laughs> tunnel is, I want you to try to explain it. I know, right? Like this is something that I never really explained to people. So that basically it's, you basically form a line and you wait your turn to go through where people are standing across from each other in this path. And so you just basically walk down this aisle of people um, and these people will lay hands on you. They'll pray over you. um, They'll prophesy over you. They'll honor you. And you just like walk through and you get... I guess, filled with the Holy Spirit. And, you know, some people walk out of that kind of aisle of people and they just like instantly fall down or people don't even make it through that aisle. Um, And I remember going through that that weekend and just a different, whole different experience for me um, doing that. And I remember doing so many more after um, at different conferences. I spoke in tongues. I fell backwards. I Had you spoken in tongues before you got involved with the Toronto Blessing Movement and TACF? Was that a part of your earlier church experience? I can't really pinpoint where exactly. I feel like maybe I had um, done it before when I was at that Pentecostal church. And then I feel like when you go to a place where, you know, everyone's doing it, it all of a sudden feels normal. Um, I definitely remember just being able to do it more freely there, I guess. Um, But I definitely had experienced it before, but um, definitely not to the extent that I feel Catch the Fire allows its, its members to to do. It was this space where you could be as wild and crazy, as dark or as light as you wanted, and it was welcome and nobody was necessarily judging you. I mean, maybe they were quietly, like we're all still human beings, like there was still gossip and scandals and things like that, but it was a safe space to explore those impulses. When I started working on Heaven Bent throughout that season, there's some specific memories, like really unusual moments uh, that I wanted to explore. What about you? Is there any specific memories of that time that jump out for you? It's like, what was that? 
yeah, there's definitely one I remember. And I don't remember who um, the speaker was. And I don't even remember what conference it was. It might have been in like another freshman conference where um, they also do their heavy rain conference, which is like over New Year's with like young adults. And I remember whatever the speaker was, I guess he was known to have either like gold dust fall. And um, I was like, oh, that's so, that's so cool. And I remember him being on stage and I, I feel like he was near the front and people would get prayed over by him. And um, I remember getting prayed over, I fell backwards and I went off to, I feel like the side of, of the church and I was just laying there, my hands on my chest. Um, and I don't know if I was crying. I don't know if I was laughing. I just was like out of it almost. Um, and I remember there was somebody that came up to me and they were like, there's, there's like a silver, uh, like there's like a silver piece or, or um, fleck on your hand. And I was like, I, I kind of came out of it and I looked at my hand and there was literally this like silver flake, like that was just on my hand where it's just, I, I don't know where it came from to this day. Um, I, I actually saved it and I like stuck it in like a notebook that I had at the time that I still, I think, have. You um, still have the silver yes, flake? I yes. love that. I love it. I love it. <laughs> and I, to this day, like I, I don't know, it, like was that somebody that just, you know, came over and placed it on my hand because my eyes were closed or was that something that actually tangibly appeared? I I. I don't know. It's kind of one of those weird, I don't know, like even from your first season with the whole like gold teeth, right? It's just, it's, did it happen? I, I, I don't know. Was it supernatural or was it just somebody put that on my hand? Um, but that was definitely one of the weird um, or interesting moments, I would say, um, from that time still that I'm still like wrestling through, I guess, in the sense of was that real Of or course. Not? I don't know. I yeah. mean, did you start to question like, to question it or to, you know, consider alternative, you know, reasons for what had happened at the time? Like No. 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 Yeah, like you you just like I just thought like this is either, you know, some supernatural uh experience that that happened to me. We'll be right back with more Heaven Bent after this. Would you at this point knowing that it's there, like, would you want in your life to know if it was man-made or not? Or is it some, like, you just, because for me, it's like, I almost didn't want to know some of the answers to the questions I was asking, because I want magic. I want supernatural. I want there to be something in the world that is greater than myself. Um, Would you want to know the truth? It's not going to, I think, drastically change anything if I did know. Um, and I think it's, it's still kind of that feeling too, where I kind of want to believe that maybe it was still something supernatural, but maybe it wasn't. And I feel like I'm okay, not really knowing. So you weren't only involved with the church. After a while, you started to attend this, the church's school of ministry. And for anyone who doesn't know what a school of ministry is, can you describe kind of what happens there? Because I think for a lot of people, it sounds like a Hogwarts situation, like from <laughs> Harry Potter. I mean, it kind of is. Okay. <laughs> um, but uh, no, it's it's basically a five-month program and there's different, there's three or at least there was at the time. I, I don't know now, but there's three different ventures, I guess, that you can take um, that you focus on during those five months. I went to 
the heart module it's called which is um basically five months of inner healing and for i feel a lot of people like i never really talk about that because what does inner healing mean right and i feel like it's just a natural christianese language in that world it kind of was like hogwarts in the sense of um you don't leave like you're in that space and you're surrounded by those same people and it's this weird bubble and um out, out of that then you go on like a three-week mission trip and is it an expensive program yeah <laughs> yeah and that's something that uh, even um one of my friends that I still has she she went to it too and we talk about that because included in that school you uh went on a three-week m- mission trip after like to kind of practice everything that you had learned or experienced and and kind of give it out to other people that are looking for that blessing so to speak and it was interesting because I got to go to Norway during that time with like the group that they had me in and there were other groups that got to go to Pennsylvania and so you go (laughs) you went to Norway everyone else went to Pennsylvania (laughs) right so it it was just like you win interesting (laughs) I mean I, I will say that for sure um but it's like we all paid the same price but 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 you have people that are flying across the world and then you have other people that are driving right. to Pennsylvania in minivans. So it's, it's, it's not that everyone had that same experience, but you, you paid all the same money. So there's definitely things in there that I'm like, I don't know if it was exactly right. I don't know where exactly all that money went to. And I think to this day, I don't know what tangible things that I could bring into, you know, a, a real world environment to say, oh yeah, I learned this at the school. It kind of is just this period of my life that I don't talk about a lot because nobody really will understand it. So Bruce, you left the church back around 2011, maybe 2012 when you came out as gay. Was that a sudden realization for you or was it something you knew about yourself for a long time? It was something I knew about a long time. And um, I, I think, you know, doing that coming out, so to speak, um, really kind of solidified it for me in the sense of kind of my experience that I had with that. But I always knew. And I think that was something that I even wrestled with, even with my time at Catch the Fire, because it's very interesting, I feel, the way that they look at... Um, homosexuality and I feel like it's almost this belief that not that they ever not that I don't think ever anyone prayed over me to pray it out or anything because I never told anyone but I remember do you think anyone suspected it oh I think so I mean (laughs) if they didn't like I don't know like I think they definitely did but I remember writing about it like in my journal in in school ministry and um, I wrote wrote pages on it and that struggle that I consistently had and and trying to figure out, is it, is it right? Is it okay? Like, would God still love me? Would others still love me? And um, because the school of ministry would have been, you know, kind of like a summer camp of sorts. Like you must've been getting natural crushes on other men that you were in the ministry with. Yeah. And I feel like, I, I would kind of always put them away, like in a way, like I'd always be like, oh, I kind of like this girl. But I look back and I'm like, I think I just liked her because she was a good friend. And I feel I was almost thinking that I had to like 
make that something more, but I never dated anyone. That was another thing you couldn't date in school ministry. Um, so it was like, even if you did have a crush, like it wasn't even allowed. Um, but it was, it was interesting for sure to kind of know that that was inside of me still and those, those thoughts. And, um, like, do you remember any specific messages that you heard about the church's opinion on homosexuality during that time? I, I think that they always were maybe a little bit politically correct about it in the sense of, you know, we'll love everyone. But when it comes to gay marriage, that's where I, I know, like it's, it's on the church's website. They believe like, they believe that a relationship is between a man and a woman. And so as much as you can say, like, we love everyone and, and, and we want to accept everyone at the same time, shouldn't you then accept that? Um, and I think that's something now, now that I'm older, I'm out of it and, and everything, I, I can kind of see that and be like, well, that's not right. That's not something that I'd want to be a part of then because at the end of the day, um, you wouldn't ever want me to marry my partner. But yet, if it was a female partner, that would be no problem. Was there ever at any point where gay conversion therapy came up for you? No, and, and I would say that. Um, but there was one time in the school ministry and I think it's called, yeah, it's called D-Day, they call it. Um, and it's, it's basically called Deliverance Day. And you get a, a like a, a folder, basically, a little file folder. And there's all these different things that are listed on there, like sins or, or things that people struggle with or, you know, um, alcoholism or a drug or you know even like sexual abuse or whatever and so on this day you would like read through this list and you would proclaim all Ooh. those different things on the list that that's heavy were. yes yes and you would read through them and basically proclaim that like you're delivered from all these different things and um everyone would read through it all at the same time so it would just be this room full of people like yelling out these different things and obviously if there was something on there that meant something more to someone else you know that might you know that might cause that person to yell it out more or scream it out more because they want to believe that you know by proclaiming that they're delivered from this like it's they're they're I don't know delivered and they're free from whatever is holding them back and I remember homosexuality was on there and I remember yelling it out thinking like yeah I'm being delivered and not that they you know said that this is what this is for is for you know this conversion or for you to just get away from these things but almost like to be free from that and I remember at the time doing that and I look back and I and I'm like that wasn't right you know and and even for myself like I think at the time I believed that that was something that I could get rid of or be free of and clearly not <laughs> and I, I think that's that's where I struggle with still today. That was another very, I don't know, important memory that I look back at and go, I don't know if that was exactly right. So, you know, having come out as as gay, how has that impacted your religious beliefs, like your Christian beliefs? Did it completely break all, you know, I, any thread of faith that you had? Or like, what was the connection between those two things? No, I think, it, it, weirdly enough, I think I still have a certain level of faith. I, I feel like the experience that I had at TACF, now Catch the Fire, I saw too much or I experienced too much to basically say that it was, it, it was all nothing. 
like I still think that there's parts of that time that I still want to believe in or that I still respect um, or I still honor or, or, or treasure in a weird way and so I don't want to say that my belief system has completely gone out the window because of it I think there's things that now I, I question more um, and I have reservations about but to say I want to discredit everything I I can't do that I there's parts of it that I still want to believe in weirdly enough and it is still a special place and you do feel cared for when you're there um, I miss and, that I miss yeah, that you know I remember sitting down in rooms with my friends from that church and you know you'd be like an honor circle and you would just sit there and all the friends would start honoring you and saying things that they appreciated appreciated about you or they really respected about you or things that you know they see in you that maybe you didn't see in yourself. And I loved those moments. And that doesn't happen anymore. Like with the friends that I have, it's it's not normal. Right. And it, and it was it's those sorts of moments that I still take away looking back and I'm like, it was still special to me. So we've heard a lot about your friends. What about your family? Are they still in the church? And has your relationship with them, you know, changed in any way as a result of you not going to church anymore? I think it did re- definitely at, at the start. Um, my my mom still goes to church. Um, my sister and, and her husband, they're still highly involved or heavily, I guess I should say, with Catch the Fire. Um, they're bo- They're down in in North Carolina at the Raleigh campus of Catch the Fire. So they're still definitely involved. And and I think the very first time I went and visited them after they they started pastoring down there, I I went and it was weird. Like I just kind of stood there. Like there was no like, you know, I didn't want to You were there more as a witness. Yes. Yeah. And I think that was the first time that I kind of took that away and I started wrestling through that of like was that okay for me to be there and and you know like after I've come out and I've, I've everyone knows I'm gay now and um that's when I like literally I went on the church's websites and and that's when I saw that you know they still don't believe at the end of the day that marriage can be t- between a man and um another man or a woman and a, another woman and you know it has to be this way or, or nothing at all and I haven't gone back since. Like I've gone back down and visited them. And um, not that I don't think I would feel accepted there or loved there and um, everything like that. I just think at the end of the day, it still goes by, it goes against something that I fundamentally now believe in. I know because I've heard from them since season one that there were a lot of young people today that were listening to my podcast. They're still involved in the church. They're daily, weekly you know, their whole lives from their family, from their friends and from leaders hearing anti-gay messages. As an openly gay man now, what would you want to, what would you want to tell them? What would you want them to hear? Hmm. That's an interesting question. I never changed. I think when I finally came out and started to tell people who I truly was and I'm very much the same person that I was before And I think that's the hardest thing for me is when you are in the church and they talk about a lot about not wearing your mask, right? God wants you to be free. Um, God wants you to be open and, you know, be yourself. And as soon as I technically took that mask off and started to actually become who I was, all of a sudden I wasn't, it was almost like I was shunned on, you know, and 
that's something that I do look back at and see all those years of me struggling, trying to either like push that down because it's not right or because it's a sin and trying to get rid of it. And I'm like, the amount of time that I spent doing that, had I just spent that time literally being myself and who I was, like, where would have I, where would have I been? Right. And I, I look now at like, I, I appreciate that our culture has slowly shifted in a way that it is becoming more acceptable. And you're seeing kids that are, that are, that are just living their truth and just, you know what, they're gay or they're queer or whatever. And, and it's so awesome to me to see that. And I wish that I maybe could have had that as a, as a kid or as a teenager and just been able to do that and not feel like had I done that, I would be the most evil person ever. Next time on Heaven Bent. Uh, I bring you greetings from California, Southern California, Los Angeles. We'll revisit the ministry of Prophet Sean Bowles, who we first learned about in season one. Is there a, a Jeff and a Susan here? A Jeff and a Susan together? Is there is there a, a, a Katie in your life? Yes, sir, eldest daughter. Using previously unheard audio, I'll share with you what happened when Sean Bowles brought his modern prophetic tour to my hometown of Vancouver, Canada. Uh, is there anybody who's Japanese and you and you're a jazz musician? Oh wow! Now I'm so nervous because this is so you're literally you're a jazz musician.